So a person's been focusing on the details of the right and left hands, which I suggested as a means that a person with loose attention might find helpful. It's given something definite to sharpen on. But the person who's asking this question, that's not their problem. So when they do this, they realize tension arises. When they focus closely on the anatomical details of the body. Such tension does not arise when I focus on the body as a whole or in terms of energy. This tension makes it difficult to stay with such exercises for very long. Well, this does indicate um, that one needs to select the skillful means that's appropriate. One whose attention is rather loose, so can't find a focus, needs to sharpen the focus. Someone whose focus is rather sharp needs to loosen the focus. Attention is a sankara, that means it's a conditioned phenomenon and uh, um, that's, what does that mean? It means that if you've been conditioned into uh, studying books, uh, dealing with high degrees of details, technology, you've probably got a fairly tight attention, a narrow focusing mind, focus on details, probably good at managing details, logic, abstractions, technology. Uh, and this is often an encouraged conditioning factor uh, for a person these days. Uh, such that uh, this can be so common that many people find it difficult to focus on anything without getting tense. <laughs> so, you know, the Anapanasati, which is supposed to be nice, relaxing, calming exercise, becomes a source of tension because the mode of attention is too, is too, um, too tight. So in this case, a person is recommended to sustain a broad awareness of the entire body and the energies. The energies are good because energies will always tell you if you're getting tense, they'll become tense. <laughs> and you're looking for all these exercises. The calming is to get an energy that's bright but calm. So if you tend to be sluggish, you need to sharpen up. If you tend to be tense, you need to loosen up. <laughs> to find a sustainable medium. You shouldn't have to make too much effort. Otherwise the effort is another sankara. And if you overdo that, that creates problems too. Question asked about recalling the visual image of a thought and feeling the emotion associated with that. But when the thought ceases, it seems to this person that the somatic resonance also ceases. So should I kind of keep hopping from one to the other or mingling the two? Well, yeah. It's not so much the thought, it's the perception that has the lingering effect, a longer lingering effect. So thought is just the pitter-patter, pitter-patter of, of data in the mind consciousness. So one needs to assess, scan the thought process and what's the emotion associated with this thought process? What's the perception? Emotion may be agitation or eagerness or joyfulness or irritation. Mm. 
They just crunch it down to the core emotion. Or the perception may be, he doesn't like me, they mistrust me, uh, she needs me, I've got to go and help her. They want me. They don't want me. <laughs> it's my duty to them. It's their duty to me. <laughs> Any of these, and you get what's the perception, a sense of pressure of some kind or another. The perception is that, but the, what's the emotional resonance of that? Pressure, agitation, disorientation. How does that feel? This is another aspect of Yoniso Manisikara, which um, <laughs> is, a, is a often used in the suttas. Mm. Getting to the point, getting to the point where the chitta is being affected, and thoughts are often deceptive in that they lead us out, lead the attention out to the topic of the thought, whatever it is. But the issue that can be resolved is the emotional resonance that they trigger or that triggers them. Where does the thought arise from? One's feeling happy. We may get thoughts associated with going out, doing something nice, meeting somebody, all kinds of proliferation occur around that, and we come back to it, and what's the emotion of this? Oh, just happy, enthusiastic. Uh-huh. How is that? Uh, feeling your body in that, and mm-hmm. settling. So it's where you translate thought, perception, emotion, body. And who's aware of that? Who's the I? What is the I experience? So a person asks, um, thank you for clarifying what jitta means, the I am feeling. Sometimes in meditation this sense of I amness gets very subtle. And even the slight and subtle choosing to direct attention to anything in particular can feel almost can feel almost too controlling. I'm often aware of the watcher. Can you say something about practicing with the third foundation of mindfulness, where we're asked to leave the mind alone and not try to change a mind state, with the understanding that all mind states are essentially empty and transient. So actually there's this kind of medley of questions there. Choosing can be too controlling. This sense of I is not exactly a feeling, although I understand it it can be sensed. It's a poised quality. It's quite bright. There's a sense of somehow being centered. And uh, we don't need to make more of it than that. Anything more, we're going to begin to lose it in the mental creations.
but the turning does help to dislodge the compulsive attachment to what the chitta is being affected by. It helps to, oh, that's just that. And uh, in contemplating what the chitta is being affected by, there may be a wise sense of, mm, looks like some support is needed. Mm, looks like some calming is needed. Why don't I just, uh, you know, emanate quality of, it's okay, it's okay, that will pass. Come on, pick yourself up, come on, come on, pick yourself up. It's kind of little encouragements. So this is moderating your intention. An intention should precede attention. Intention is the director. Attention is that which is directed. So we need to get that intention the right mode. It's more compulsive, it's benevolent, it's relevant, it's not just babbling on, it's not stuck to some program or system of what I should be or could be or ought to be. It's just that gentle encouragement, steadying, clarifying, lifting, that's the intention. Attention, which is the ability to form a focus, should be moderated by intention, wish, the responsive quality. And then we might, I think, probably useful to give more attention to this right now. Attention to the fading aspect because that seems to allow for release. Attention for the arising aspect, because that seems to support clarity. Attention to the arising and passing aspect, because that seems to give rise to a sense of equanimity, evenness. But we're always learning. Things are not things. Things can change. We can focus on this aspect or that aspect or this aspect or that aspect dependent on what is needed and the attention needs to be told or encouraged as the example of the person who found giving detailed refined attention to their hands made them tense they should be encouraged no 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 just uh, go more spacious their attention needs to be directed by feedback Oh, that's giving me a difficult result, therefore moderate. So your, your intention decides, oh no, do this. But of course, another day, that particular focus might just be exactly what you need. You know, today, actually, I do need that, that sharpness or that definiteness. Other day, other than the time, not right now, that's enough, that's enough. Now stay steady. 
The jitter is being held steady. Don't push any further. Jitter's steady enough. Let it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just turning things over. Not ready yet to give more attention to this. One who's obsessed with um, you know, future should be encouraged to return to the present. One who doesn't care about the future should be encouraged to consider the results of their actions. <laughs> you know, what you do counts. If somebody's kind of continually worrying about what they do, they should be encouraged to recollect the good they have done. So you're always shifting, you can shift it around. Hmm? You know, recollect the good that you have done and has been done to you if you're worrying all about what you should do. And so this moderating. Mm. It's not exactly controlling, it's, it's supervising and supporting in accordance with wise response. Third foundation of mindfulness or third establishment of mindfulness Mindfulness of citta. This occurs in the Satipatthana Sutta, where it talks about one is knowingly aware, mindful and aware, this is the citta affected by love, the citta affected by hate. This is the depressed citta, this is the elated citta, this is the contracted citta, this is the expanded citta. It's like this. And... Um, or there's just the mindfulness and knowing sufficient to know this is just the jitta being affected. Mm. Mm. Not exactly leaving mind alone because in a way the jitta is always sort of alone, but not in a negative sense. But it always uh, it's you're able to sort of stand apart. Jitta is able to stand back or get perspective on what's affecting it by bringing forward. It's knowing quality. So what is it that knows the jitta is being affected by love? The jitta knows it's being affected by love. The knowing aspect knows the effective aspect. The effective aspect, that which is affected. Yeah. Mm. And you may think, how can you be doing two things at the same time? <laughs> Because it has different aspects. Just like your body can be warm and it is aware of its warmth and it starts to produce sweat. It has a knowing and a responsiveness to it. Both affected and it also contemplates, is sensing that and responding to it. Chitra is rather like a body in some respects. It responds, and its knowingness can respond without self, me, pushing it around. But the response is necessary. And this is often a little bit of a tricky point, because by and large, we don't we haven't really recognized that capacity um, things that we, things we find important or necessary the i am get the self gets in and does it 
can't just trust that jitters can do it on its own. So the self gets in, I will make this work, I will get my meditation together, I'll, I'll stop this thought, I'll get this way, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then you get this, the observer becomes the busybody. Uh, <laughs> you know, either that or the observer becomes, oh, yeah, yeah, what's all this mess going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, the jitter responds by itself and sometimes you have to kind of encourage it, like wait a little and then say, well, what, what would be good now? Without coming up with a verbal answer. Just abiding in what's occurring and suggesting. In a slightly quiet and curious way. What would be, if this was somebody else, what, what, what would you wish them to feel? What would you wish them to experience? Now, if somebody else was experiencing, what would you wish them to experience? It's a wishing rather than demanding. So it's it is affected by heavy states. Oh, oh, it would be good if they could find a steady place where they could just gently rise against, lift out of that. And think, oh, that's then the jitter starts to do it. But often we have to kind of encourage it because for a long time it's been pushed back and the controlling self or the impatient self takes over so one might in reviewing mind states as you as they come into focus and you're being affected by them mm-hmm. what's the overall feeling of that say uh, scattered giddy okay it's like that jitter is being affected by these jitter qualities this was someone else, what would you wish for them? What would you wish for them? You wouldn't tell them. What would you wish for them? Oh, I wish I wish he would get a little more grounded. And so then perhaps in that it's sympathetic, you see. It's, it's empathetic, it's not... Oh, so then the, the jitter picks up that suggestion. I wish he would get a little more grounded. Uh, grounded. Oh, yeah. So, so this is how we, in my opinion, cultivate the third establishment. Suttas refer to the arising or the origination and the passing away and dissolutions of Dhammas internally and externally. Do you have any comment that would feed into the teachings you're offering on citta? Mm. Well, it's never been something I've been entirely clear about myself because the Pali words ajata, ahita often just mean here and there, here and there, and they're glossed as internal and external. And that is often interpreted as oneself and other people, um, which may be so, but I f- find it difficult to read the teachings in that light when it says, you know, one contemplates the breathing internally, in other words, your own breathing, contemplate the breathing externally, other people's breathing. I don't ever see that happening, and I can't imagine doing it. 
one contemplates feelings in oneself, the feeling aspect, and you contemplate in other people. I don't see how one can detect their physical pleasure or pain with any degree of accuracy. Uh, and similarly, mine, one contemplates mine in turn. You can kind of assume, I think she's angry, but that would probably still be an assumption. Uh, maybe that's what it refers to, but I find that that rather unsatisfying. <laughs> so what else could it be? Maybe the here refers to when one is, chitta is occupying experience, so I'm actually in my happiness. I'm in the happiness, my chitta is happy. Externally I'm witnessing it. There's something there. So more objective. Subjective, objective. I experience the feeling of, of anger, say, running through. Energies pulsing, shimmering, shaking. I'm finding myself really proliferating around it, internal, external. I see there's the anger, it's there, happens here, happens there. Mm, yeah. Maybe it's like that. Mm. And the bringing of the two together. So we really contemplate the phenomenon, you know, in its subjective experience, its subjective flush of it, it how I feel I'm, I'm gripped by that. And we also contemplate it just as a phenomenon that everybody experiences here and there, you know, uh, so objective, subjective. So I would, uh, if I use this at all, then I would use it like that. Someone asks about using the sound of silence, sometimes can get quite loud. Should I keep listening to it in my sitting? I'm not sure what's the best way to use it yet. The sound of silence, if those of you are not familiar with it, is, um, is, is a kind of a, an experience that occurs when you contemplate through the listening faculty or the listening aspect. So imagining using your manual faculty, your mind, your attention organ, imagining using it like an ear. I think I've touched on this before. When you use the mind like an eye, you scrutinize, you're able to get fine details on objects. When you use it like a hand, you get uh, scrutinized, you're able to sense and feel different qualities of pressure, heat, um, fluidity uh, of experiences, and which I find very helpful. Uh, because some experiences are fairly subtle, but they've got a cooling effect or a trickling effect that somehow gives rise to a sense of, oh, that's relieving something. And sometimes they're kind of quite coarse and gross and they've got a gripping effect and one responds to that. Sound of silence is when you use, seems to me, because it's not something I'm that well practiced in, um, is using the mind like an ear, so you're listening, particularly you're listening to thoughts come and go, and emotions come and go, so you'll get a sense and instead of being in those experiences, you're, there's a spaciousness that occurs through the, the listening capacity, uh, 
spaciousness occurs through the listening capacity, you're somewhat distanced from it. Uh, and at the same time open to it. There's openness, a sense of distance, a sense of and you can hear the silences or the quietness when the thought formation falters. Because if you are more distant from it, you generally not and you're focused on listening, you're not putting energy into the thought formation. If you are distant from the emotion and you're not putting energy into it, emotion tends to cool. So then you get the sense of being able to fully feel, you know, or witness the arising and passing of a thought or emotion. And with that, the, the quality of attention itself, because you're going through the, using the mind like an ear, like a listening, gets a great, kind of like a subtle, vibrant, shimmering, quasi-sound. So it's really the sound of listening might be better than the sound of silence. And this is something Mpo Sumedho used for many years when he was uh, um, in high-intensity high intensity situations <laughs> to find some respite from the pressure of thoughts and voices and communities and people and uh, powerful emotions that could be stirred up. Someone who really loves silence. Mm. And so that's not something he naturally you know, attunes to. Mm. Uh, and he would say, well, you develop it by letting all these emotional surges just be heard and allow them to be heard and felt and they kind of rise up and pass away and then you're left in this rather nice kind of open, attentive state with no with no four objects in it. Mm. Mm. So I think that's how you develop it. It can be, for some people, it can be slightly losing ground. They could get slightly heady. You know, you're out there, you're a little bit too distant. You, know, you feel somewhat too distant. Um, I think that's probably why I don't take to it personally, because I, my inclination is what I want. I want to feel more fully. I want to feel a little more solid and grounded. I, uh, that's something. It's not a decision. It's just the natural inclination. Uh, but that's how you would use it. And again, if it, if it's these are all skillful means, tried and practiced, they have their good results. Uh, imagine every single one of them has their uh, um, bad results <laughs> or non-progressive results if it's not your number you know, uh, it doesn't doesn't uh, you just get too spaced out and uh, dissociated um, so let's take some time for direct practice silence um, picking up and learning to moderate attention in accordance with what feels appropriate encouraging jitta to instead of this personal self taking over and telling you what to do see what can arise as a response from your heart when you ask it gently what will be good now very simple terms not and this is a request it's not 
hurry up and get focused. It's what, what, what would be right now? What would be encouraging now? Maybe a little more focus or just ease up. You know, so you get a quiet response from the, straight from the heart. It may be not entirely correct, but you've got to learn somehow. You know, and imagine if you get it exactly right on day one or day five or day 25 is not appropriate. You just got to keep learning and, and trying and without getting too up, upset about it and see how it goes. Uh, this is the beauty and the um, of the process, but it's it's necessary. If we don't, you know, have this quiet engagement, then we're not really doing our cultivating. Thank you.